You're listening to The Private Citizen, defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 62 for Monday, the 29th of March, 2021. Exchange Hell. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Fab. I'm your host. I'm coming to you from live from the city of Düsseldorf in Germany. Um, on uh, Central European summertime now. We're now in summertime, which doesn't really concern you for listening to this on a podcast, really, which I think you probably are. I'm just saying this because I'm, of course, as, as, as every week now I'm recording this live on Twitch um, in front of an audience, which is, which is always fun. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about some more cyber today. Um, after that, um, after the recent episode where I kind of laid the groundwork for like two episodes um, talking about cyber war. And on the previous episode, I talked about the, um, the you know, the, the solar winds hack. And uh, today we're going to have to talk about that exchange hack that was big news at the beginning of the month. And maybe at some point we can actually, um, in a later episode, then tra transition to email, maybe security uh, and privacy in general, um, because I think people are, in, are very interested in this, um, at least um, so I've been told. So uh, maybe we can segue that at some point. And, you know, there's an extra episode I still need to record. So it kind of happened this week. Um, you're getting an early episode here on Monday because usually these come out on Wednesday. Um, but I'll uh, I'll be streaming uh, all day Wednesday. I will be streaming Disco Elysium Final Cut uh, video game, which I like very much. There's a new version coming out. Anyway, that's why we're doing this now. Um, so we're going to talk about the exchange hack and why exchange in 2021 is still shit. Of course, we have some feedback later on in the show, uh, as usual. Um, I, I will say this. Uh, I appreciate feedback. I appreciate everybody um, giving me, me their view on uh, what, what I talk about in the show. That's that's an integral part of the show. So please go to privatecitizen.press, um, have a look at the show notes, and have a look at um, you know the contact link and the various ways to contact me. And uh, But before we get into the main topic... Um, there's some errata I have to do. I um, I made a mistake. Um, I talked about the uh, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine in the previous show, and or in several previous shows, I think. And uh, I was completely wrong because I I made a mistake. I didn't know better. So I think uh, with without further ado, I should launch into that, and we should be fixing that mistake immediately. not really breaking news but I, I like the news bumper and i'm not using it often and i want to kind of <laughs> differentiate this uh from the other topic so what happened um you know we talk i, I talked a lot about uh, zars cov2 obviously uh, covid19 on this show because of you know the privacy uh implications and also at in, in some cases the it security implications the politics implications all the things we talk about on the show and um also, some listeners asked me what I think about the vaccine, so I gave kind of my my um, view on that. And I had been under the impression that the um, Ox the, the the vaccine they developed uh, at Oxford University, which then is now being uh, marketed and sold by AstraZeneca, which is a big, I think Swedish, in, Swedish British 
conglomerate. Uh, they're a big uh, biotech company, you know, a farmer, big big farmer. Um, and I was under the impression that, that that worked pretty much like the flu vaccine. And I kind of like that idea because, um, you know, mRNA being a new system, a very cool system. You know, I talked about this on the show as well. Once I looked into it, very cool system, but it's very new. And I thought this was this was more of the old school stuff, which it isn't at all, because the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, or as it's called, AZD1222, um, is also a very new vaccine. And in a bit of a, I don't know, a, a way that worries me maybe a little bit more than um, the... Uh, the mRNA one, I, I mean, I, I still think I would take it. You know, I, I said, you know, that I'm not really, it's not a priority for me because I don't think, uh, you know, even if I get, uh, you know, an SARS-CoV-2 infection, I don't think uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to get really sick or like really die. But, you know, uh, I talked about that before. But um, there, there's some new stuff that's come up. Um, before we start... Um, I have to point out a little pet peeve of, of mine and maybe rant. Even if you click on the, um, I'll put a link to Wikipedia where they describe this vaccine. So the official um, Wikipedia article of this vaccine is actually wrong, um, as are most news stories. And actually the packaging design from AstraZeneca is also wrong because uh, this is called a COVID-19 vaccine, um, which technically is not correct. Um, COVID-19 is the disease. Um, SARS-CoV-2 is the virus. Now, you can't vaccinate against a disease, right? COVID-19 is the symptoms. It's a collection of symptoms. You can't vaccinate against that. What you're vaccinating against is the virus. Um, that's usually not a problem when you're talking stuff like influenza because, you know, um, influenza A, B, whatever gets shortened to influenza, and then it's the disease and the virus. Um often also called just abbreviated the flu but in this case it's completely wrong um, and it's wrong on the packaging and it's wrong everywhere my wife uh, bought some um, some uh, antigen uh, tests for SARS-CoV-2 the other day and they say COVID-19 antigen tests no COVID-19 doesn't have antigens it's a disease the virus you know your body creates anti uh, you know antigens to the uh, virus. Um, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, am I confusing antigens and uh, what's what's the other anti? I, I tend to confuse them, so that might be wrong, but that's just my brain. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's completely wrong to call it, like, this is just a pet peeve of mine. It's it, it completely like, even in Wikipedia, it says target, like they have this box, right, that Wikipedia always has, and it says target SARS-CoV-2. So they get it right there, uh, Anyway, let's talk about this vaccine and what I what I um, uh, was getting wrong. Um, so basically, when you uh, the 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 traditional uh, vaccines you have against like virus diseases don't use what's called a virus vector, which is actually putting a virus um, into your or parts of a virus into your system. Um, well. Technically, there are parts of virus, but not like, anyway, not not like DNA or RNA. Um, so the flu vaccine, um, I think the way it works, they just it's just basically antibodies, right? They create uh, so anti actually antibodies. I was mistaking it. I was talking antibodies, right? That's the 
uh, antigenes are the things that are on the virus and the antibodies are the ones that lock with the antigenes and the antibodies are the are produced by your immune system anyway um so with a with a traditional vaccine like the flu vaccine i think they just uh you know breed basically these um antibodies in i think eggs like chicken eggs or something and then i think they just make a shit ton of those and they inject them into your bloodstream and then your um your immune system goes like oh look apparently we, we produce some antibodies uh, uh that we don't know about but hey let's make more of those and then you're immune um now <laughs> twitch said a terrestrial gym is asking no this has nothing to do with antifa that is something completely different let's not get into that let's not open that can uh, of worms um um yeah, and uh, Stefan says you should leave the COVID shit to Professor Drosten's podcast. No, I won't, uh, because uh, uh, he, he was hilariously wrong on it. Like, he, in the beginning, he was much better than me on his podcast. So, And I'm not even a virologist. And uh, no, his, his podcast has uh, created a whole a whole lot of uh, political problems that we have often talked about. And, you know, listeners to this podcast understand why I talk about these things. Um, I mean, not usually I don't talk about like vaccinations and stuff, but you know, it has uh, this whole situation has, has created uh, a, a big political problem. I think has created, um, uh, you know, privacy problems, um, problems with civil liberties that I'm very interested in. Anyway, so the um, the, uh, the 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 other vaccine, the the first vaccine that um, actually got. Uh, released uh, was the mRNA vaccine. We talked about that. So basically the cool thing about that is what they are doing with that vaccine, whereas, you know, for the flu vaccine, they give you the antibodies directly. Um, the mRNA vaccine um, takes mRNA, like the the a piece of, of mRNA. Um, so, you know, SARS-CoV-2 being an mRNA, an mRNA virus, um, not the complete virus, just the bit that makes the spike prote proteins. So the things that are outside um, of the virus, right? The, the things that your immune, immune system recognizes. And it brings that into your cell. Your cell then goes and reads that mRNA, like the parts in your cell that are supposed to read mRNA and make proteins, read that in, make the spike proteins. They get expressed, I think, on the cell or they enter your bloodstream. And then your immune system goes and sees, oh, my God, there's a virus. There isn't a virus. It's just that one bit. But that's enough to kick off your immune response. Now, um, the the AstraZeneca vac vaccine, the Oxford vaccine, and I think the Sputnik one, the Russian one as well, um, basically it's the same thing, except they have an intermediary step. So they actually took a, um, a, a chimpanzee flu virus. Um, the reason they took a chimpanzee virus is so it can't replicate in humans um, for some reasons that I co don't completely understand, but then I'm not a cell biologist <laughs> um, or a virologist. But you know, the idea is you know, they can't replicate. So they take that virus, they take stuff out there so it won't replicate itself in your body. Um, and, but the stuff in there is actually DNA. So it's a, it's a viral vector, kind of like the mRNA one, but it's DNA. And that goes into your cell, um, and it's not supposed to, and I don't think it does. It cannot end, like it cannot integrate itself into your, into your DNA because the parts that are responsible for that 
um, are just not there. That, that would be like virus parts that they've taken out. Um, and then that DNA gets transposed to mRNA, and that does the same thing as the mRNA vaccine creates a spike protein. Um, now, that has this approach has some problems that the mRNA thing has not. So the process of like when your cell reads, so you have genes in your DNA, right? And, and those get read out, basically. Um, they get transcribed to mRNA. And then the mRNA gets uh, read in, and then proteins are made, and that's a one-way process. You can't go; you can go from DNA to mRNA to proteins, um, but you can't go from mRNA to DNA. So the beauty about the mRNA, M- mRNA approach is that it ca- cannot alter your DNA at all. Uh, it's that's not that's not possible. Like from what we know, how the cell works, that just doesn't happen. Now the problem with this, well, I'm not saying the problem, but a, theoretical problem with this um which which these vaccine companies actually can't um they can't say this is not happening um they can't like you know just categorically uh deny that this is happening um this dna could and actually end up and incorporating itself into your dna by accident basically it's not supposed to do that but then there's like you know things processes in your body um that could end that theoretically that could happen um you know i can't create a virus uh it would just i'd probably create spike it probably wouldn't do anything um the major downside with that is usually the biggest downside you have from something like this is you could develop cancer in that cell Um, because when when like weird like gene sequences end up in your dna that are not supposed to be there um that can cause cancer because that often or sometimes um, disrupts mechanisms of the cell or like basically cuts loose these mechanisms that make the cell just just replicate wildly and that's basically cancer now that's probably even not going to be a problem even if that if that happens um, because i mean we're just talking a few cells here right uh probably a hundred cells or something and you have that happen all the time like something that happens in your body all the time that a cell just there's a mutation you know sunlight radiation something hits your body uh you know a, a, a spin in a in a boson or whatever you know uh cosmic whatever and then your cell just cuts loose and becomes a cancer cell now that happens all the time and our immune system has ways to killing those right we have special cells in the immune system that go around looking for cancer cells killing them um when you the problem is when you actually develop cancers when that just doesn't work because they're too many or they're special kinds of cells and they're hard to kill or hard to find um but you know that's probably all not going to happen but it could like theoretically happen um which it can't with the mrna um what the one question that i have uh, that nobody has been able to answer for me uh in researching all this is why does somebody who gets this vaccine um, why are they not classed as a gmo a genetically modified organism because what you're doing there is like i know you know if the vaccine works as it's supposed to be, you know, that DNA that ends up in your cell from the vaccine is, is transcribed into mRNA and not included in your DNA. But it could 
theoretically happen. And if that happened, you, you, that's gene editing. You, you just edited somebody's DNA. So they're now classed as a GMO, right? Which means, <laughs> you know, if you have, if you have animals, uh, lab animals, like uh, so strict rules that, like, you know, you can't leave, get them out of this, like special labs or this, they're not allowed to go out. They're not allowed to, like, wildly replicate. Um, so we don't really, um, I don't really understand, like, I don't know why that is. I think it's because, like, every every scientist who's asked this question has just been told, shh, 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 don't, don't, don't we already have enough anti-vaxxers as it is? So, shut up. Um, but I would like to have that question answered. Um, and I would um, probably ask somebody um, just to scramble their brain. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I, I object because, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm married to a biologist. I know a lot of biologists. Um, I know people who um, have done gene editing uh, to get their PhDs. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not afraid of like gene editing. Um, but like, there's lots of these people who are like, oh my God, the corn, the genetically modified corn is going to kill us all. Right? It's going to, it's just going to, like, if you're worried about that, why are you not worried about this vaccine? <laughs> like, if you're worried about eating genetically modified corn or, like, that corn being out in the wild, why are you not, why, what's your problem with, why don't you have a problem with this vaccine? That would be my question. But just to scramble their brains because it just doesn't make any sense. Um, um, Stefan says, uh, scientists that specialize in viruses do po should do podcasts like that. I object to that. I don't think so. No, I think um, this is exactly my job. Uh, I'm a journalist. I read stuff. I research stuff. And I don't have to be um, a virologist to talk about these topics. And uh, I, I actually, um, I think this is cool that we're having this, you know, that's why I like this Twitch, uh, you know, live feedback. Um, because... Um, I, I, I object to that very um, attitude, right? This podcast is built on people um, and me um, just, you know, I read about things and I think about them and then I talk to you, right? I'll, I'll try to give you some information and I give you everything I have. This all Everything I use for the show to make it is in the show notes. And I object to people just saying you shouldn't talk about this. Either you have a factual problem with what I just said, then please contact me, you know, write to me uh, and tell me why. And I'm going to talk about this on the show. I mean, I'm open to just also getting people on the show. I've done this before um, to discuss this with them. But just objecting to somebody, you know, saying, you know, you shouldn't be talking about this. Why? Like, you know, in, if, if that's the case, you shouldn't consume any journalism. Because newsflash here, all the people you see on TV news, all the newspapers you read, these people you know even less about this stuff than me. And then, yes, you're saying, okay, yeah, 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 but they're asking experts. Yes, yeah, but like, how do they know the experts are right? Newsflash, they don't. I've been an expert for other journalists on like IT security where I knew exactly what I was talking about and they didn't. I could have tell, told them anything, they would have never noticed. Like they wouldn't, they would have gotten me on for years after that, because they would never have noticed. Um, so you know, that's just like, don't do that. Like, be, I'm open to criticism, factual criticism. For example, here I did a clear mistake um, talking about this vaccine. So 
Sadly, nobody picked that up and nobody wrote in. It would have been amazing if somebody had written in like the very next episode and said, you, get, you got this wrong. Here's the link. Um, so, you know, I'm just, just saying that, that that's what we're trying to cultivate here, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to um, make everybody think for themselves. I, I think it's a big problem in our society. It's, it's actually a, probably the biggest problem in our society right now. Um, that people go like, oh, this guy's a virologist, he's an expert, I'm just going to listen to him, he's going to be right. No, newsflash, they're wrong too, and they disagree, which you can see in the media. You can see different virologists vehemently disagreeing on things. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, but Drosten is the cool guy. How do you know? Like, how would, Do you have a PhD in biology or in medical sciences? No, you don't. Um, newsflash... It's not black and white. It's not right or wrong. People are there's there's, there's levels of gray, and that's what I'm trying to um, to make better with journalism. Like that's why I'm why I'm doing this podcast, um, and I, I think it's worked really well. You know, after the Linux podcast for years, you know, we were far from experts in Linux. You know, but we like to work into stuff. Sometimes we got something wrong, and then somebody wrote in, and we're like, okay. Uh, you know, fix it on the next episode. We'll fix. We'll fix it and post. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I don't. I don't. Also, don't take this the wrong way. This is not like I don't mean this in a mean way. I just want to explain for everybody how this works. And if you're listening to this on the podcast and you're like, he got that down completely wrong, please, Private Citizen Press, you can contact me anonymously. I don't have to read out your name on the show. Um, but my goal here is to get accurate information to other people. I think that's what a journalist should do. Um, and if you go like, hey, I can't do that because I'm not an expert in that topic, then basically you've given up. The, the, the very idea of a journalist is somebody who's not an expert in the topic, um, who tries their best. And, um, you know, maybe if they talk a lot about a certain subject and they do a lot of research, they become an expert in the topic. Um, right. So, anyway, I think that's it on 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 that uh, on that on that note. Um, let's get to the actual uh, actual topic we wanted to talk about here. Uh, let Let's talk about uh, exchange and hacking and something I am allegedly an expert on. So yeah, last time, uh, last episode, we talked about the uh, SolarWinds hacker attack, which obviously was huge news uh, last year or the beginning of the year. And uh, I kind of explained how it was kind of all, also an email hack because it all started, the catalyst, so to speak, uh, was, was Microsoft having vulnerabilities in Office 365. So their web email suit, which is, you know, supposed to be so secure and that just led attackers um, to get credentials for things uh, and get to uh, among other things SolarWinds the company and get into their systems and then start this whole supply chain attack that was in the news so much um, now we've we've learned there and if you haven't listened to episode uh, 61 and maybe episode 60 um, 
you know, I talked in, in episode 60, I talked a little bit about cyber war and, you know, what cyber war and whatnot in preparation for these, talking about these two attacks, which have both been branded as cyber war, you know, state-sponsored attackers and all that. And uh, I talked about live different attack vectors and the and why email is so important, right? Why I'm not going to go into this in detail now. Um, so if you haven't listened to those episodes, probably worth going back and listen to those first. Um, you know, just email being basically the nervous system of every modern organization, every company. Um, and we had a so we just had a hack that that basically started out with Microsoft's cloud email service being compromised. And we're now getting a hack that is compromising the others, the, the more old school email system that is uh, Microsoft Exchange. And in this case, uh, of course, not the cloud version, but the so-called on-premises version, which is Newspeak for, you know, back in the day, we just called it software, right? You, you wanted an email server, you set it up yourself. Uh, on-premises, what was the thing to do? That was just normal. Um, and of course, that is also vulnerable. Um, and, you know, obviously uh, gets hacked for the same reasons that Office 365 gets hacked. Um, so at the beginning of this year, um, hundreds of thousands of exchange email servers were hacked. Um, so this was first discovered and privately reported to Microsoft on the 1st of January. And then the first breach was observed by uh, in a separate cybersecurity. So this was like security researchers. And there was another security company. I'm also saying cybersecurity company. It's got, like, I got the cyber virus in my brain. It's not good. Um, they observed the first attacks a day later. And then it just like escalated. All hell broke loose. Now, amazingly, one would think, I, I don't think it's amazing because... I've 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 had a career now. Uh, I spent almost a decade now writing about Microsoft and uh, how they patch things or how they not patch things for a while. Um, amazingly, it took them until uh, the second of March, so beginning of this month, um, to actually acknowledge that there's a problem, i.e., put out a patch. And uh, Wikipedia has a nice overview, so I've. I've I've looked at, obviously, I, I read a lot of primary sources on this uh, for weeks. I uh, also looked at some for today, but Wikipedia has just uh, a nice overview. I'm generally going to quote from that for this episode again, um, because, you know, it's just the the news writing tends to be, um, I need, like, when I prepare an episode like this and try to give you information, I need, like, a good overview. And the news writing, of course, always, you know, news journalists uh i've been one myself for quite a while now we just do like new you know the the the, the breaking news and and what's new and then you have like 15 articles that rehash everything and there's like always the new thing in there and that's just not good if you need to link something so while wikipedia sometimes has, has issues especially also in the language department and the way it's written because they're obviously not professional writers um most of the time um it's often a good overview and of course pro tip um there is there are primary sources linked everywhere so those little numbers on wikipedia click on them click through on the primary source and read read you know check up on that check up on wikipedia like it, you should be checking up on me and anybody else out there you know dr drosten you should be checking up on everybody don't don't believe any experts says the guy who was certified expert on TV uh, quite a lot. <laughs> so Wikipedia uh, talks about this um, 
and says, uh, a global wave of cyber attacks and data breaches began in January 2021. So it's 2021 and exchange is still shit. After four zero-day exploits were discovered in on-premises Microsoft Exchange service giving attackers full access to user emails and passwords on affected servers, administrator privileges on the server, and access to connected devices on the same network. Attackers typically install a backdoor that allows the attacker full access to impacted servers, even if the server is later updated to no longer be vulnerable to the original exploits. As of the 9th of March 2021, it was estimated that 250,000 servers fell victim to the attacks, including servers belonging to around 30,000 organizations in the United States, 7,000 servers in the United Kingdom, as well as the European Banking Authority, the Norwegian Parliament, and Chile's Commission for the Financial Market. So obviously, there are not that many, like... A quarter of a million servers is a lot if you're talking email servers because they're not that many email servers, right? Um, you will have, you know, a company will have a handful. A medium-sized company will have like one or two email servers. Um, and so this is this is actually very significant. Um, on... The 2nd of March 2021, Microsoft released updates for Microsoft Exchange Server 2010, 2013, 2016, and 2019 to patch the exploit. This does not retroactively undo damage or remove backdoors installed by the attackers. So this is patching the... So basically what happens is you have the number of vulnerabilities that these attackers use uh, to get into your system, and then they install, like, typically a web shell, basically a way to, like control your server from the outside uh, with admin privileges. And then even if you patch these vulnerabilities in exchange, your server is still um, owned, right? So they, they have control of your server. And the problem here is that whenever something like this happens, any, any, any IT security professional worth their salt, if you ask them what shall we do, will tell you if you, th- if you have significant... Uh, reason to believe that your server has been compromised, you have to reinstall from scratch, like completely. Um, that's the only way to be sure. Nuke it from orbit, uh, as uh, Sigourney Weaver says in Alien, uh, is the only way to be sure. Because, you know, once somebody has ad- admin privileges on this, on your server, I mean, they, they can hide they can delete logs. They, you know, it's very, very hard to find out what's going on. And even if you... you you know, in most cases you can, but you just do that for forensic reasons if you want to find out who was it and what they actually did. Like, if you just want to move on, right? If you're like, yes, espionage, they stole some secrets, we don't really need to know what, whatever, we're a small company, then just wipe the thing and reinstall it. It's much, much quicker than trying to figure out what actually happened and be reasonable sure that you, you know, got all the infection out. Um, so, so that's also, of course, where a lot of the damage here comes in because all these people, if they, if they, uh, you know, are reasonable, they will have to install all of these servers. On the 12th of March, 2021, Microsoft announced the discovery of a quote new family of ransomware and quote being deployed to servers in, initially infected, encrypting all files, making the server inoperable, and demanding payment to reverse the damage. So obviously, clusterfuck. Um, and 
Yeah. Email, email servers being compromised is, is a is a bad thing. I mean, first of all, because as I said, you know, email is kind of the nervous system of the company. They can get all this information. Um, they can impersonate your employees, right? They can f- do fraud. They can act, get access to systems in the network by, by getting users to install software, which they can do because they know everything about you because they read your emails, right? And then if the user, like if you send a user whose computer you want to own, like this, you, you impersonate the IT person, right? And you go like, please install this file. It's very important. And then if they, if they actually go and write back or ask anybody, uh, should I really do this? And if they do that over email, which, you know, used to happen a lot. Now it's even worse because everybody's working from home, right? Usually you would say if something like this happens and you, you shouldn't trust your email system anyway, you should walk over to the, to the IT guys and go like, like, did you send me this email? This is like really weird. This is not something an IT person would do. Anyway, nobody does this. They'll just send an email as the attacker. You can actually intercept that email so it can never get to, to IT people. You can answer it yourself. Like, all bets are off at this point. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the problem here was also that they not only owned the Exchange server. I mean, that's a win- that runs that's like a Windows server in the network, right? And they got admin on that. And then from there on, they can get to other machines. Um, they can probably, I don't know, maybe even own the Active Directory and then they own the whole network. So it's like, it's, it's, it's definitely not good. Um, so how how was this discovered? Uh, on Je- on the fifth of January, twenty twenty one, security testing company Defcore, Defcore, sounds like a band, made the earliest known report of the vulnerability to Microsoft, which Microsoft verified on the eighth of January. It took them three no two fucking months to fix this, to put the patch out. The first breach of a Microsoft Exchange server instance was observed by cybersecurity company Volexity. I think these were also involved in the, uh, you know, we talked about them last episode about SolarWinds, uh, on the 6th of January, so one day later. By the end of January, cybersecurity company Volexity had observed a breach allowing attackers to spy on two of their customers and alerted Microsoft to the vulnerability. After Microsoft was alerted of the breach, Volexity noted the hackers became less stealthy in anticipation of a patch. So so somehow they figured out that they had actually contacted Microsoft, which is interesting. Or somehow they, they figured out that Microsoft was, was working on the patch. Um, and how did, how, how did this hacking work? Um, hackers took advantage of four separate zero-day vulnerabilities. This is, this is significant. I talked in previous episodes about why zero days are a special kind of vulnerability, and they're worth a lot. Right, there are instances of people having sold uh, zero days, especially in integral Microsoft products, for like a million dollars, basically. So four zero days zero day vulnerabilities are worth a lot. You have to take note of this, and this is special because you know zero days you burn them, right? So zero days are a vulnerability that you know exists and nobody else knows it exists. So. Even the company whose product you're attacking doesn't know. So a zero day in exchange means I, I hacker, Fab, Fab Le Hacker, uh, knows there's a vulnerability and I can take over exchange servers and Microsoft doesn't know. 
Nobody knows. That is worth a lot because I can go attack these servers and nobody can stop me. Like antivirus can't stop me because if I write like custom malware and I'm good at my job, then they won't detect that. They don't have any signatures for this. Microsoft, you don't know patches. Um, but you burn that because sooner or later somebody finds out because, you know, as in this case, I'm, I'm you know, Fab Le Hacker goes hacks, goes hacks a company. Now they're a customer of, you know, Volexity or some other, you know, FireEye, whatever. Um, and they will notice at some point, right? They will not know, probably not notice the actual attack at first or the vulnerability. What they will notice is just some things like weird network traffic. Maybe the data getting exfilled, some, something. They'll notice something. And then they'll start digging. And then they'll find, find what happened. And then they'll find my exploit. And then I've brought my zero day. So if I want to, if you, if you, if you have a zero day, you know it's worth a lot. And you are choosing very specifically what to use it for. That's why, you know, intelligence services like the NSA, like, you know, the Russian, uh, you know, are, I already forgotten what they're called like you know not the NKVD <laughs> like the new whatever the whatever the K KGB uh, has split up into now you know the Chinese nobody knows what their intelligence service is so good nobody even knows what it's called it's probably unpronounceable the Danish intelligence service you know they have a name nobody can pronounce which is also good good you know the BND probably does this kind of shit um they, they collect these things uh, because they're worth a lot. So burning four is like a, that's an escalate. That's a, that happens very rarely. Um, and like four zero days in exchange are like, that's like a fucking gold mine you just blew up with TNT just to show how rich you are. <laughs> and there's no, there's no gold flying from the sky. Because as you can see here, it's like state-sponsored hackers um, Oh, we have Jonathan in the chat, who is in Copenhagen. The Politics Efterwings Jeneste. Forst, Forst, Warest Efterwings. So, Forst, Warest, Forst, Warest the military. I give up. I can't, I can't do Danish. I'm going to get, maybe, maybe we need, uh, we need like a Danish listener to record these, like send me sound bites, like an actual Danish person. And I just can push a button and then uh, like I could like, you know, uh, push this button. Savvy. They, they'll just say. Savvy. First of all, after things, 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 Whatever. Um, no, say it less Russian. Are we going to talk about Russian? Uh, we're also going to talk about vaccines again because a Russian listener had some input on that uh, in a Russian perspective, and he also uh, criticized uh, my Russian. But we're going to get to that later. Anyway, so the, these guys collect these. And so burning burning four in one attack is significant. Uh, I don't know what that means, but it means something. Um, an ex-colleague of mine, uh, an expert in this area, uh, you know, uh, Jung Schmidt, uh, used to be my boss at Heise, uh, wrote a column on this where he basically said uh, this thing is a, is a Schwanzvergleich. So uh, that's a German, uh, what's that in English? You know, dick dick measuring contest of some military dudes, you know, where the Russians went, oh, let's let's do our let's do our solar winds, and then the Chinese were, ha ha ha! You think that's a hack? We're gonna burn four 
zero days in one go just to show you we got them we got zero days coming out of the out of every hole it's like they're coming out of the walls we've got so many zero days we can just burn them on shit like this anyway so what actually happened Hackers took advantage of four separate zero-day vulnerabilities to compromise Microsoft Exchange Service Outlook Web Access. So that's the web interface. Uh, if you have an Exchange Server and you don't use like Outlook or uh, from the bird or if you mean clause mail, no, I wouldn't use Exchange. I hate that shit. But like if you you know if you're not using a, a standalone client, you, you use a web client. That's what everybody uses these days. So that's OWA, uh, giving them access to Wix to victims' entire service and networks as well as to emails and calendar invitations, only at first requiring the address of the server, which can be directly targeted or obtained by mass scanning for vulnerable servers. Uh, the attacker then used, used two exploits, the first following an attacker, the first allowing an attacker to connect the server and falsely authenticate as a standard user. With that, a second vulnerability can then be exploited, escalating that user access to administ administrator privileges. And... Um, by the way, this is how hacks often work. This is why, like the the falsehood that oh, it's just the local um, privilege execution, like that, you know, that's always used by companies. Oh, it's not that important. Um, you can never, if you look at the security vulnerability, you can never assume it's going to be used on its own, right? It might be a local privilege escalation, so that means you have to have a user, and then you can make that user admin. But what you do is, if you find something like this and you're a hacker, you don't even have to be an intelligence service, like you know, professional hack, even like script kiddies. If you have something like this, you just file it away. And then if you find another exploit that lets you just, you know, log in as a normal user on a server, you chain those together and boom, you're admin, right? So that's why you can never look at a vulnerability like on its on its own. You always have to assume that there's, there's more you can combine it with. That's usually how these hacks work. They're usually not one like silver bullet. Usually they're all these chained together exploits and then it kind of works. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of how they, how they do that. Um, so, so they first got a normal user um, they, you know, locked in with that. Then they, then they had another exploit. Then they had admin privileges, and then from there, uh, Bob's your uncle. The final two exploits allow attackers to upload code to the server in any location they wish. So that's like the nuclear bomb, right? You can just go somewhere and where executable code lives put that there, make it accessible from the web, and now you own the server. That automatically runs with the administrator privileges. There you go. Attackers then typically use this to install a web shell, providing a backdoor to the compromised server, which gives hackers continued access to the server as long as both the web shell remains active and the exchange server remains on. So web, web shell is a thing that is like a command line interface that you can use from the web, right? It, there are different ways. Basically, it's a way to... Uh, you connect to website, but instead of actually like, you know, using the website, you can actually send it commands and you can go like, oh, please, please go there, download this code, run it. There you have it. Um, and um, so that's how they, uh, that's how they owned, um, owned the servers. Um, through the web shell installed by attackers, commands can be run remotely. Among the actions observed are the downloading of all emails from servers, downloading the passwords and email addresses of users as Microsoft Exchange uh, of users. As Microsoft Exchange stores these unencrypted in memory. 
Woohoo! Adding users, adding further backdoors, uh, backdoors to affected system, accessing other systems in the network that are unsusceptible to the original exploit, because you know you now have root basically or in windows terminology system privileges on a server in the network so the other servers trust it um, and installing ransomware it's patching the exchange server against the exploit does not retroactively remove installed backdoors attackers continue to have access to the server until the web shell other backdoors and user accounts added by the attackers are removed right and they could have put a root kit on it which is really hard to detect uh, after the patch was announced, the tactics changed when using the same chain of vulnerabilities. So these guys saw, oh, there's a patch. Actually, what, what was basically happening was as soon as a patch was on the horizon, um, they used to be a little bit more stealthy, you know, with, with hacking, although they weren't as stealthy as the solar winds guys. We like that. That really looked like, you know, if it was the Russians, as I said, I have no idea of knowing, no, no way of knowing, could have been anybody. Uh, but that was like state-sponsored espionage, right? They were like, they they could have theoretically owned much more servers than these guys, but they didn't. They just looked at the stuff they actually wanted to, wanted to, you know, own, and then went in very quietly and just got like information out in a very, very stealthy way. And these guys were, I don't know, we don't know how long it's been going on, but they were detected at some point and then they were like, oh, there's a, there's a patch coming. Let's just like hack everything. Which is like why, um, you know, Jürgen uh, in the Heiser column said, uh, you know, it's kind of like a dick measuring contest because basically the impact they, it looked like the impact they wanted is like to scare everybody off and show everybody what what they could do. Um, not like, you know, the other, the, the solo wind stuff, that sounds like, you know, espionage. We're quiet. Nobody knows we're there. We're just reading everything. This is more like, hey, it's more like the military. Let's, let's, you know, let's, they have a ship there. We could get a missile there. Let's blow up their ship. Let's, let's show them who's boss here. Um, right. So this, this continues, um, after the patch was announced, okay. After the patch was announced, the tactic changed. Um, and then interestingly, so we know that exchange server 2010, 2013, 2016, 2019 is, are uh, vulnerable. We don't know if that's all. Microsoft apparently is still looking at that. They still haven't figured that out. It seems like they kind of rushed out the patch a little bit. It was also not working on some installs. There was like weird shit that didn't work, um, which is not typical for Microsoft. Uh, I you know, have to give them that. Like usually when they push out patches, it's something really has to go wrong to, for it to even be even worse or not work. Um, but like, it's amazing that they apparently rushed it and it took them two months. That just so shows you how arcane and horrible exchange is. And I, and I know this. I, I am, I'm a self-confessed geek. And by that, I mean, I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. What I do is like, I like te technological stuff, especially like software. And I like, you know, going in there and doing it myself. And I don't have... Ever since I'm working as a journalist, I don't have as much time anymore, so I don't run. I try not to run servers and run everything on my own, which is fun, um, but a lot of work. You learn a lot with it, but you know there's a time money trade off there. Um, so I try not to like I, I can't really do that so much anymore. But you know I try to figure out technologies. I've never run an email server because long before I had anything to do with with security. And writing about it professionally, I understood that an email server is just a 
it's less the juiciest target you can have. Uh, it's generally everybody wants to hack these. They're they're really really high value targets. Um, they're, they're basically if you uh, play <laughs> play World of Warships or you're into like naval warfare, they're they're the aircraft carrier. Everybody like read up World War Two. You know how the Germans were happy when they sank that one aircraft. Like you want to, that's like the high profile. You want to sink that thing, and it's relatively badly protected by itself, right? There's all this perimeter defense, but if you could get a sub through, and you can sink that thing, like you don't want to, you don't want to be on that aircraft carrier. Anyway, so I, I didn't, I never wanted to run my own email server, and 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 understanding that, I understood that there's 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 one thing running your own email server. And then there's running your own exchange server. An exchange server is like a, uh, to, to stay with the metaphor, it's like an aircraft carrier uh, where you paint a big target on the, on the runway for the bombers. And then you send your task force away. And you're like, you, you guys, you destroyers, you know, you cruisers, you go do your shit. I'm, I'm safe here. I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm safe here in the shallow waters. They're not going to attack me. So no, I did like it's just again we're gonna get a little bit into that. I mean that's that one of the reasons why this whole thing was as bad as it is is just the state of exchange, and I think that's also why Microsoft why it took Microsoft so long to patch it. I think it's just a it's a clusterfuck. Um, it's a patch together thing that's you know generally email systems are not very uh, modern, you know. There's no, there's no, there's no startups in Silicon Valley going, hey, let's write an email server because there's no money in it because it's an open, you know, it's not a. They all write social networks, um, so it's relatively arcane uh, and hard to hard to secure and hard to run reliably. So actually, I had a point in my life where I thought uh, running your own email server would be good, and uh, and I stepped uh, I stepped back from that brink. Uh, very, 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 very carefully. Um, right, and so the patch was released um, on the second of March, twenty twenty one. The oh god, I forgot. Sorry, I'm not prepared again. I don't have the official Microsoft bullhorn. <clears throat> on the second of March, twenty twenty one, the Microsoft Security Response publicly posted an out of band common vulnerability and exposures release, urging its clients to patch the exchange service to address a number of critical vulnerabilities. On the 15th of March, Microsoft released a one-click PowerShell tool, the, the so-called Exchange On-Premises Mitigation Tool, which installs... I, I like how they always have to say on-premises. It's like, oh, you're like the leper of the family, right? You're like, you're not in the cloud. Uh, which installs the specific updates protecting against the threat, runs a malware scan, which also detects installed web shells and removes threats that were detected. This is recommended as a temporary mitigation measure as it does not install other available updates. Yeah, and you should, if, if that thing finds anything, you should probably reinstall your Exchange server. <laughs> anyway um yeah so i love that like it's how how it is like uh, i had these issues when i was working uh at previous companies with these uh colleagues that are just you know 
just look just know you just noticed how like journalists get too close to a topic and like if journalists write too much about microsoft i had the same issue with uh throughout on twitter like or you know mary joe foley or whatever like these guys who just write about microsoft all day they just assimilate they're like microsoft like any big company has this 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 new speak right so they have this this uh uh out of band which is very special which means we have a patch cycle you know we patch our systems once a month on a on a certain day you know patch tuesday and then if something really bad happens, we have an out-of-band patch. And it's like, oh, out-of-band, as if it's like black magic or voodoo, voodoo or anything. Like, you just had hundreds of thousands of servers owned. Like, it's the, the world is burning. Why are you making, like, a special thing that the patch is, like, out of the thing that the patch is out-of-band? Of course it's out-of-band, right? Your fucking product just got nuked. This burning degree, debris raining down on your office. Of course you're patching it out of band. What do you mean you're not waiting for the next choose, first Tuesday of the month? Of course you're not. Like, how is that even, like, why is that, oh, it's like, oh, out of band. Why is that even mentioned? Right? I mean, I I know, that, you know, there are certain ways of mentioning. I mean, I, I've written articles where, but I, I like, when I do that, I point out why I'm mentioning that, right? Um you you can write into an article that it's like it's 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 special it's a special thing and microsoft doesn't do that often and mostly i would just then combine that with criticism of microsoft because they don't do this shit often enough like this uh, it's it's changing now which is why out of band is probably becoming the new norm but generally we do not live in a time where if you know about a vulnerability and you have a patch you can afford to wait like, I don't know, half a month or whatever, till a certain day rolls around, just so you're not surprising your administrators, right? You got to ask yourself, hey, what's more inconvenient, them getting a patch on the day where they don't know about it and they'll have to stay in the office late, or their fucking system getting owned, everything getting spied on every all the data get exfiltrated and then all the servers get have to be reinstalled or like fucking ransomware in the whole company and no computer works anymore right what's more of an inconvenience microsoft <laughs> um maybe it uh astral says as astral c says in chat maybe it means it doesn't come in the normal update channel well it just comes you know it's there's 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 just one update channel it means out of band means it's not uh, it it doesn't happen on on Patch Tuesday, um, and that's you know that's I think Microsoft holding on to Patch Tuesday is a thing they they need to like. It's just a sign of the times that that's just not. Um, it's just not not timely anymore. It's, I, I don't think that's anything they. They can afford any anymore uh but let's criticize microsoft uh, more a bit later let's first look at who who was the attacker here and surprisingly this time it's not the russian hackers tm microsoft said that the attack was initially perpetrated by hafnium which by the way we, i don't know what that is either like I've, I've heard the name before but like you don't know any we're, there's very little known about these guys uh, was perpetrated by by the half by Hafnium, a Chinese state-sponsored hacking group. Or so it's the Chinese. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's the Chinese. Um, 
a Chinese state-sponsored hacking group that operates out of China. See, this is why why we keep reading Wikipedia sometimes is, is dumb. A Chinese state-sponsored hacking group that operates out of China. Guys, you need an editor. Uh, Havnium is known to install the web shell China Chopper, which I'd never heard of. Um, that's not that's not this chopper here. Yep, I'm a crack shot. So how long's it taken you to be a shot like that? Oh, for most of my life. For reference, that was Chopper Reed, uh, the infamous uh, Australian criminal who uh, killed several people and once conducted an interview with a journalist where he shot uh, a bottle out of a guy's hand who he'd paid, he said himself, by the hour, and then proceeds to do uh, Russian roulette with the journalist uh, with his, uh, that was the journalist you destroyed in the clip, with his magnum revolver. <laughs> uh, it's fun, fun looking that up. Uh, it's a, a tele television show called Hard Copy. Uh, interview happened in 1995. Uh, it's, it's a very fun interview, just as a side. Whenever I hear Chopper, I hear that. There's also a very good uh, Australian comedian who made for a while, made a, um, I mean, this is way before the Eric Banner film, which is great as well. But like um, he made like a career out of just being Chopper, and there's this amazing sketch uh, where Chopper goes to a, <laughs> to a job interview, and they ask him all these questions. But the best one is like, so, so what do you what do you bring to the job? Well, well, you know, I I got a nine millimeter, I got a baseball bat, a stick of jelly night. <laughs> That's it's really fun. Anyway, so apparently they ch install this uh, China, China Chopper. Uh, Web shell. Uh, Microsoft identified Havnium as a quote highly skilled and sophisticated actor end quote that historically has mostly targeted quote entities in the United States for the purpose of exfiltrating information from a number of industry sectors including infectious disease researchers, law firms, higher education institutions, defense contractors, policy think tanks and NGOs end quote. Announcing the hack, Microsoft stated that this was quote the eighth time in the past 12 months that Microsoft has publicly disclosed nation state groups targeting institutions critical to civil society end quote. Uh, and there you have it. Once again, uh, nation state groups. Um, I have no fucking like, as I said uh, in a previous episode, um, I mean, what the fuck is it with this state-sponsored chat? If you get hacked, if your organization gets hacked, you don't fucking care, right? Somebody just stole your trade secrets. Do you care if it was the Chinese or the Russians? Like, seriously? No. The only thing you care is that your secrets are not your secrets anymore. Like, you get, you got defrauded. You got malware installed on your systems. You got crypt ransomware installed on your system, crypto miners, whatever. Who the fuck cares if it was the Russians or the Chinese, or the North Koreans, or the Germans, or, or the Ugandan, or the Australians, or uh, who, who the fuck? I mean, it doesn't matter. The only reason, I'm going to have to have this rant once more because I think it's very important. The only reason companies, and especially Microsoft, keep shouting state-sponsored is they want to detract from the fact that they themselves have fucked up. They've fucked up big time. Exchange security is a disaster. People have known this for decades. It's shit. Microsoft took way too long to, to come up with this patch. They deployed this patch badly. Um, the Just the whole, like, 
security um, culture within exchange. We're going to get into that a little bit uh, at the end here, but like, um, it's just wrong. That's like, they fucked up. Like, that is the important thing. And I actually have an issue uh, with journalists just mindlessly like regurgitate re like you know microsoft some other company there they or like a security company right they will write in their press release ah oh, it's a chinese state-sponsored actor as microsoft does this to detract from that they fucked up the government does that like the intelligence services do that as i said you know i talked about last episode or the episode before that um the cyber war episode they they do that to detract from the fact that they fucked up um, security companies do it because it sounds amazing. It's like immediately a story, right? You just found some random hacker. Who cares? Some script kitty. Oh, the Chinese are hacking us? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's the Chinese. It's the Chinese. <gasps> Makes it the story, right? That's that's why they do it. That's why they are doing that. But as a journalist, you shouldn't be going and just willy-nilly just like, you know, just making that your own. Because you have to ask yourself when you write a story, like who do my, why do my readers care, or my listeners, right? It's a good headline, yes, okay, maybe, but um, why is it a good headline? Should that? Be? I think as readers, as consumers of media, we should ask this ourselves: Why is that a good headline? Why do we care? Do we care that it was the Chinese? Who does, who gives a fuck? Right? Do we want to strike back? I don't want anybody to strike back. I want less hacking going on, not more hacking. And you can see that this escalating shit isn't helping. Right? It's the Russian the Russians put their dick on the table, then the Chinese put their dick on the table, then the Americans put their dick on the table. We we've seen where this leads. Like in normal warfare, in cold warfare, and now we're seeing it in cyber warfare. Just stop with this shit already. It doesn't help anybody. And the press isn't helping either by just perpetrating and regurgitating this fucking bullshit again and again and again. What you should be looking about, looking at, what you should be talking about is that exchange, the thing running email in all of these companies is shit. Has, has shit security, has a shit security culture, gets patched way too late by Microsoft. That's what we should be looking at. And, you know, there's like... There are several people who said, you know, when I was reading about this, I was listening to podcasts, I was watching like internet, uh, you know, streams and whatever, basically the mo what I what I do instead of watching TV. Um, and there were lots of experts, IT security people um, who were saying, and I, I agree with this, um, that like the, like one of the issues is that there's a lot of companies that run exchange that don't need to run exchange. It's completely overkill for them. Uh, it's just because some CEO somewhere says, I want Outlook because he's at the drinking club at night, you know, with all the other CEOs uh, sipping sipping uh, port and uh, smoking cigars or drinking whiskey or whatever. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, we got the exchange. And then like, I can actually click here and then uh, tell you when somebody read the email. Isn't that amazing? It's got all these calendar features. You should have exchange. Why don't you have exchange, right? And then lots of companies actually don't need that. Um, and they would be better off using some, you know, open source email server maybe. <laughs> um, you know, something more bare bones, which, which, which doesn't get owned by like four zero days at once. I'm not saying, you know, open source email systems are, have, are without their problems and are inherently better 
but I mean, exchange is a mess. And we can see this because it might have started with the Chinese, but it didn't stop with the Chinese. So uh, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read all this out. So, you know, ESET figured out that suddenly there are multiple state-sponsored hackers that are exploiting this after the news came out. Like this was on the 2nd of March. So as soon as the patch is out, like every, it's a free fall. Like the Russians go, oh, oh look, oh, look, Chinese have, Chinese have exchange hack. Uh, why, why did we not find zero day? It doesn't matter. Zero day is out now. People are not patching. Let's, let's exfiltrate some information. Right? And then the North Koreans, I don't even know what a North Korean accent would be. And then the Germans go, oh, let's hack some servers. Yes. We can look what the Danish are doing. Maybe the Efterings hasn't patched their servers. Let's have a look. So everybody's doing this. You know, then of course there, there were, um, there was crypto mining. Now this is hilarious. I'm going to read that out because it's just like this is what Microsoft spends their time on instead of patching Exchange. On the 10th of March 2021, security researcher uh, Nguyen Yang posted proof of concept code to Microsoft-owned GitHub on how the exploit works, totaling 169 lines of code. That's how easy it was. 169 lines, right? There's like mouse pointer animations in Windows that are use more lines of code the program was initially in, no the program was intentionally written with errors so that while security researchers could understand how the exploit works the goal uh, malicious actors would not be able to use the code to access servers um, yeah so that's a bit bullshit of course because yeah, you're presuming they're all script kiddies right if security researchers can figure out where the errors are then these guys are, it doesn't matter Later that day, GitHub removed the code as it, quote, contains proof of concept code for a reason, disclosed vulnerability that has been actively exploited. Oh, no. Uh, on the 13th of March, another group independently published exploit code with this code instead requiring minimal modifications to work. The third coordination centers will dormant said, quote, the exploit is completely out of the bag now in response. So, like, Microsoft pulling, like, why? Like, I mean, this is... This is like a week after. So a week after you published a patch, right? And the problem being your users are trained to not install patches. So lots of systems already aren't patched. That's your problem. So a security researcher goes, everybody's attacking everybody um, and people are not patching their systems. So the only, like, we need to get this information to people how this expert expert works and posts on github and then microsoft's like they pull it off like that's the that's what they spend their time on instead of figuring out how they get their fucking users to patch their fucking systems which is the problem i mean it's not that some guy posts some exploit code i mean the exploit code's been out there it's been it's been exploited since the 2nd of january we now have like the 10th of march if it's too late now it's too late you know you know the cat's out of the bag Unbelievable. That's that's Microsoft for you. That's like, I mean, that's like sometimes they act still act like the Microsoft in the 1990s <laughs> when Obama was going like Linux is a cancer. You know, when they were thinking like, oh, uh, you can just you can just make that truth go away if you just if you if you just have good PR and you just you know you, you can just make people not not realize what is going on. Uh. Uh, this it's it's a head shaker. Um, anyway, um, so uh, 
what else happened? Oh, yeah, then, of course, uh, ESET identified at least 10 uh, advanced persistent threat groups. I don't actually like that term. And so an APT is just like a ban hack. So they, you know, professional hackers. They identified at least 10 groups of professional hackers compromising IT, cybersecurity, energy, software development, public utility, real estate, telecommunication, and engineering businesses, as well as Middle Eastern and South American governmental agencies. Woohoo! Fun. Um, now, this is interesting. Uh, also, like this on Wikipedia, the attacks came shortly after the 2020 United States federal government data, which is, we talked about last time, which also saw the comp compromising of Microsoft Outlook web app and supply and supply chain um, of a of the Microsoft of Microsoft's sorry, which also saw the, um, um, I can't read, which also saw. The, which also saw the compromising of Microsoft's Outlook web app and supply chain. Microsoft said there was no connection between the two incidents. Yeah, except for Microsoft being dumb. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, right. No, no connection at all, except all your email servers are like, uh, I like fucked now. Um, so what, what the hell, like, what the hell is going on with like why was this so successful like why why were so many servers owned like even weeks after i mean right now their servers being exploited even though the patch has been out for like a month now almost um so why why is that um so wikipedia says uh, this is actually a good like a good condensed um description of the situation i think um, automatic updates are typically so this is talking about exchange right and exchange servers automatic updates are typically disabled just think about that right think about how long windows has had forcing automatic updates how long like browsers are doing that like anything your phone automatic updates are typically disabled by server administrators to avoid disruption from downtime and problems in software and are by convention installed manually by server administrators after these updates are tested with the existing software and server setup. As smaller organizations often operate under a smaller budget to do this in-house or otherwise outsource this to local IT providers without expertise in cybersecurity. This is often not done until it becomes a necessity, if ever. <laughs> so until you're fucked and then it's too late. This means small and medium businesses in local institutions such as schools and local governments are known to be the primary victims of the attack. Yeah, schools, I uh, know from personal experience how fucked these guys are, um, are known to be the primary victims of the attack as they are more likely to not have received updates to patch the exploit. Rural victims are noted to be, quote, largely on their own, end quote, as they are typically without access to IT service providers. The attack was discovered after attackers were discovered downloading all emails belonging to specific users on separate corporate exchange servers. An undisclosed Washington think tank reported that attackers sending convincing emails to contacts in a social engineering attack that encouraged recipients to click on a link. So you have a situation where you know things are not patched for reasons, and then it's email service, so you can do social, you know, engineering, and nobody like that's something is very hard to defend against in normal 
um, environment in a normal company, company, normal organization. Um, now the, the the problem here with like, so the problem that Microsoft needs to fix is obviously their update mechanism for Exchange is shit. It is not worthy of 2021. If you have an email server, you should have updates that people can install automatically. You should have a system, a way of organizing that, of, of deploying these updates that don't cause downtime for the servers. Right? If you have two email servers, there should be a way to like take one offline, have the other one be the primary one, install the update, test the update, see that everything's right, bring the one up, use that, and then install it on the secondary server. Right? We live in times of like, you know, people like to throw this term at me, Docker and Kubernetes and the cloud and all this CI and all this smart DevOps, all this crap. And they can't get like their fucking email server patching to work. Like what the fuck? That's the problem. That's the problem you need to fix. Stop talking about the Chinese. Stop talking about the Russians. Stop talking how bad it is. Like that, that is your problem, Microsoft. That's where you fucked up. And I don't want blame on any like administrators, like the normal admins, the IT security guys and companies. Yes, some of them are a pain in the ass. If you work for the company, it's all, you know, they're charged with security. People that are charged with security have to be a pain in the ass sometimes. And sometimes, they, you know, you, you got good and bad people. But in general, it's not the admin's fault. Like they do this shit for a reason because they used to install the updates automatically. And then the whole thing went down and nobody had emails for a day. And then they got like got sent to the CEO office and roasted, like got a spike stuck in their ass and got roasted over an open fire in front of the company board. And then they vowed to never automatically install updates again. There's a reason these policies exist. It's not their fault by and large. Right? It's Microsoft. It's their fucking update mechanism. And I mean, if one would be like a conspiracy theorist, I don't think this is a conspiracy theory. I think this is just common sense. I think Microsoft doesn't give a fuck about this because I think Microsoft wants, that's why they call it on-premise. It's like legacy. Like who wants to use that? They want to get you into your, into the cloud. And I bet you, I bet you if this hack wasn't wouldn't have been immediately preceded by a hack where Microsoft's cloud email servers fucked up and got owned, and then we're trying to brush that under the carpet, under the rug, make that disappear. If that hadn't happened, there would be like in as part of the PR push on this hack, you know, states sponsor, blah blah blah, they would go. Yeah, it's because you're using on-premise. You should really use the cloud, right? You should use the secure email from Microsoft. The only reason they they aren't doing that is because then people are, wait, wait a minute, didn't that get didn't that get hacked like basically a month earlier, um, right? So I don't think they want to spend time on this. They want to fix. They don't want to fix this. They want to get you into the cloud. Now the problem is the cloud's fucked as well, as we've seen. That that's like doesn't work. And of course, you know it doesn't. It, 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 this makes it sound like yeah okay maybe some some government organizations and like the small companies got hit hit but like we just had like oh like last week or whatever um we, we had the uh the news that uh, a uh, a ransomware gang called Revil, our evil 
has claimed that they actually uh, infiltrated uh, Acer with this, and uh, and they were actually demanding 50 million US dollars, which I think Acer didn't pay, and it was supposed like yesterday. Yesterday was the 28th. Yeah, it was supposed to go up to 100 million US dollars. So not only like the small guys in government got hit, also like big companies. Um, on the 11th of March 2021, Checkpoint Research revealed that in the prior 24 hours, quote, the number of exploitation attempts on organization it tracks tripled every two to three hours. So this is on the 11th. This is like a week after the patch. So there you can they can see the problem, right? Just compare that to Windows, and like Windows has these problems, but like this comp compare that to like Windows, uh, like when Windows 10, like you can say a lot of things about Windows 10. It's uh, privacy problems, you know the the whole telemetry stuff, but like it it's gotten people to actually update their system. I mean, yeah, it sometimes reboots your system in the middle of a live stream, but in generally, it, it has caused people to to install updates much more diligently and just basically force them to. I mean, this is almost this is almost as bad as Android security, like where, you know, with some device manufacturers, you don't get updates. And then, like, the only reason Android isn't exploited exploit on this scale is just, like, it's not such a high-value target, right? Email servers are just much more juicy. Maybe it's been it's being exploited by intelligence services that we don't know. Anyway, not getting updates, security updates to vulnerabilities that are known is a problem. Hello, you know. Welcome to two thousand and two. Um, Checkpoint research has observed the United States as being the most attacked country with seventeen percent of ex of all export attempts, followed by Germany. Yes, we're number two. Einigkeit und Recht und Freiheit, with six percent in the United Kingdom and the Netherlands, both at five percent, and Russia with four percent. So yeah, it's probably the Chinese uh, of all exploits. Government slash military is the most targeted sector of 23% of export attempts, followed by manufacturing at 15%, banking and financial services at 14%, software vendors with 7% and healthcare at 6 Yeah, so probably it sounds like it, it's it's all plausible. Could be the Chinese. I'm, I'm buying that. I don't really care, to be honest. Um, but before we end this topic, I just want to leave you with a laugh, um, just so you know, you know, politicians, right? Um, on the 7th of March 2021, CNN reported that the Biden administration was expected to form a task force to address the breach. The Biden administration has invited private sector organizations to participate in the task force and will provide them with classified information as deemed necessary. What fucking... What, what fucking classified information... What, what, like what task force what, what like microsoft is shit in deploying their patches what do you want to do legislate microsoft to like hello joe hello are you listening what the fuck man like this is not needed this you know it's politicians they're making things worse when it's already too late like they're already too late to help and now they're making it this is just got, like what the hell ah Like what? What's gonna be the like? They're gonna go. Oh no, we can't let the Chinese attack us. We need, we need a cyber. We need a firewall, or we need to outlaw encryption. Or they're gonna do bullshit like that. Like, 
Ah. What you need to do is invite less private sector organizations because they're the ones buying this bullshit from Microsoft and either using like Microsoft Exchange and getting owned or then they go, oh no, let's go to Microsoft's cloud. That's more secure. And then they're also getting owned. Like what? What the fuck? What we need is the press to call out and people to call out what actually happened here. Microsoft fucked up. As, as they fucked up in the SolarWinds breach. And the intelligence services fucked up. I mean, the NSA got owned in SolarWinds. We talked about this. Right? The NSA got owned. They used the software that got owned where they didn't know, like, you know. They need to get called out. The next time Microsoft says, oh, you should, you should switch to Office 365. Our email is so secure. Like, 50 people need to stand up. All the journalists need to write and, you know, make 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 videos and talk about, no, you're not. Remember SolarWinds? No. And also Exchange is also crap. So maybe use something open source. I don't know. Maybe we, need, maybe we need a new email server, a secure email server, something that is standardized and not like this bullshit like Exchange where it has all these, like, these, these things that are non-standard email. Like, okay, rant, rant incoming, like, nerd rant here, right? What the fuck is it with Exchange and Outlook? Like, you know, have you ever as a normal email user gotten this email where like somebody said something really stupid in the email or something they weren't supposed to say, they broke an embargo or something, and then they're sending uh, they're sending you an email um, telling you, oh no, we want to retract that email. Like, what the fuck is that? You can't retract emails. It's been sent. Like, yes, you can retract them once they're in there. It's still in your exchange universe, whatever, with its bullshit. Like, there's no standard. It went out to the internet. You can't you can't retract it. My email client is not going to go, hey, oh, this has been retracted. I'm not going to show you this email. Like, what the, f- what the fuck? And that's when, like, in, ex- in Outlook and in, in exchange for ages. That's just, like... I don't get it. I like I I seriously that that's the problem. We need we need lean we need email, right? We don't need I'm going to do an episode. I'm pretty sure now people want me to talk about this. I think it's very important. We need to do an episode about why email is important. Why email has privacy problems, but you know, email is important. Email, email is one of the last open interoperable standards we have. It's not like this fucking Discord stuff, which is going to be bought by Microsoft or whatever, and these all these messengers which are closed and and then and they're censored and they can they can they can spy on you and they can do things that you don't want. Like it's an open standard. Um, it's federated. That's what we need. What we just need is software that wasn't written in 1985 and was written in programming languages from 1985 with programming standards from 1985 or like Microsoft Exchange, like basically patched from 19, whenever they, I don't know how long Exchange has been around, but you know, patched for like 30 years and never like properly rewritten with modern standards. And yeah, that's the problem. That's what we need to fix. Like we need good security. We need companies that are, pro- or projects that are, um, proactive towards security that are not 
relying on security by obscurity that fix things the moment they hear of it and not go hmm let's hold on to this patch for like three weeks till our like weekly patch monthly patch date comes around like no fix it now fix it yesterday somebody tells you you have like four zero days or like a really critical vulnerability in an email server that's all around the world like fix it yesterday <clears throat> okay can stop with the ranting now and we're now going to talk about feedback okay uh redeemer says um Exactly, retract works when the recipient is also on an exchange server. But yes, it's quite silly when you already have the email and you get the retraction. That's all I see. I've never been on an exchange server in my life. And I, I, I'm trying my best to never to never do that. Um, right, now now we're going to talk about some feedback. As I, as I um, explained in the beginning of the show, if I do something wrong or if you have another viewpoint, please write to me. It's content. And we have content here by producer... Evgeny Kuznetsov from Moscow, um, who at first uh, wrote in to tell me, I'm, I'm not going to quote that, but he was basically telling me that my Russian is bad, which <laughs> shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, but apparently I was mispronouncing Opachki. The stress, I am told, is on the O. It's going to be Opachki. Opachki. Op. No. No, that's wrong again. Opachki. I hope that's good. Um... If that's still bad, I need a Russian to send me a sound file that I can put on my soundboard and then go, oh, but actually, there is, I could just extract that from Escape from Tarkov, right? I just need to get at the sound files. Uh, wait, I'm going to write that down. Extract. Opachki from Tarkov. I mean, that, that could come in handy. Um, we can we can use that in all kinds of situations. Um, that's uh, maybe I can also get like the soundbite of of Putin that one time when he was playing the piano and singing "Don't worry, be happy." That was that was hilarious. They use that on no agenda all the time. Anyway, let's talk about something um, interesting. Yevgeny, uh, writing from Moscow, says, "I wanted to chip in uh, regarding vaccines. Actually, so we're on the vaccine topic again." In Russia, as well as in some other post-Soviet countries, I know for sure about Ukraine and Uzbekistan, perhaps several others too. It is a legal requirement for a kid wishing to attend a state finance kindergarten or a state finance school that the said kid is vaccinated. The said kid is vaccinated, not sad, uh, is vaccinated against several diseases. Or that the kid has a, quote, proper reason not to be vaccinated. Quote, proper reasons include medical contraindications to vaccination, uh, but exclude parents' refusal. I can't remember the whole list of the required vaccines right away, but these are like things like polio, uh, tuberculosis, and measles, basically. So yeah, we we I mean I talked about this in the past. We have this in Germany too. I don't think it's so much a legal requirement. It's just like you know enforced by kindergartens. You know, so I was, for example, I was vaccinated as a kid against everything that was kind of like you know. I wouldn't say legally required, but basically they kind of forced you to do. Um, 
although I don't think it was as strict uh, as it was in Russia. It is not illegal for a parent to refuse to have their child vaccinated, but then they cannot attend state-sponsored schools. Seeing as how state-sponsored schools are free of charge to attend, private schools with all the required certificates are still uncommon. It's like in Germany, especially outside of Moscow and St. Petersburg. And expensive. And that giving your child a state-recognized basic education, a nine-year school level, is legal obligation for every parent in Russia. Being an anti-vaxxer is not that easy. Actually, you know, same thing in Germany, although the schools actually don't enforce that. Because, actually, they can't do that because the uh, uh, the German constitution says that uh, education should be free and available to everybody. So they, I think they can kind of do it in kindergarten, uh, but they can't exclude because you, you, as a parent, you're legally required to send your kid to school. They can't go, oh, if you don't vaccinate it, um, you know, they, they have to take your child, basically. I mean, I know that could, could be turned on its head where you're like, no, that means you have to vaccinate. Like it's obviously done being done in Russia. I have a feeling that's going to change in the in the future in Germany as well. But currently it's not like that. Um the argument is basically that vac vaccinating every kid can safely be. Uh, sorry, the argument is basically that vaccinating every kid that can safely be vaccinated helps reduce the chance of a non-vaccinated kid to contact, contract the disease, since everybody around that kid is vaccinated and less likely to spread the disease for a long period of time, even if they got it somewhere and have serious problems or even die, which they are more likely if they get sick because of the medical issues that prevented them getting vaxxed in the first place. Yeah, see, I don't believe in that. Uh, I said in the beginning, I don't think there's there's good scientific evidence for that. I think... I think it's just, you know, uh, if you vaccinate everybody, then they can get the disease and not get sick. Um, and it d depends on the disease. I think I, I, I'm, 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 I'm prepared to believe. Well, believe I'm, I'm prepared to um, understand from data that it, with some diseases, it would actually uh, cause you to not being able to spread it or easily spread it. The problem with SARS-CoV-2 is that they haven't shown that, and I would like to see that. But I'm not saying... When, when somebody says, and when somebody in the press writes, yes, everybody needs to get vaccinated because then it stops the spread of the disease, that could very well be right. But I would like to see data that backs that up. That's my only point. Um, oh, and, and now Yevgeny is actually... Uh, in in twitch chat which is amazing i'm, I'm loving twitch today um and janu janua vera says check israel data if you have doubt I, I don't have doubt i have not seen any data um if you have any data uh as i said several times before private citizen press contact details are there please send it to me um please please don't send me any like you know some news organization wrote about this please send me primary sources send me a PubMed uh, link and I'll, I'll figure it out I'll get the paper, I'll read the paper, I'll understand the paper now the thing is I don't I know that there's many places on the web where people are saying this is how it works my problem is backing it up, I've also seen papers i've been people have linked me to papers who said oh this this makes it clear and you read the paper and it doesn't it's like yeah that's their you know that's what they say their data indicates but like i, I haven't seen any data that would stand up to rigorous scientific standards i think a big problem right now is that 
I mean, obviously, there's lots, lots being published on this topic because if you publish on this topic, it just gets quoted everywhere, and you, you get, you know, you get scientific accolades. Um, but like, I also think there's a lot of scientists, sadly, that I even that I talk to, are prepared to go like, yeah, yeah, that's a paper that says that, and they're not not going, they're not skeptical, they're not going, hmm, you know, we have to check that, and that doesn't mean you're like a conspiracy theorist or you're you have doubt or whatever. That's just being a scientist. Being a scientist is, if you're interested in the topic or you're working in the topic, you can't just go, hey, they you know, they've, they've published a paper. If you write a paper on the topic and somebody else has written a paper, you have to read that. You have to understand it and you have to take it apart because either it, it doesn't even matter if it agrees with your hypothesis or not. Um, like there's two things you can do you have to quote it in your paper and you can either say they're wrong and then you have to show why or you can say you're right and you're building on their stuff and that is you want to make sure that they're right because if you're building on their stuff and it later turns out that they were full of shit then your your, your fucking paper falls apart as well actually i've been planning for ages to do an episode on you know kind of like i did an episode on socialism Sometimes I do this off-topic things. I'm, I'm going to do an episode on the scientific math method, just very basic, because I feel a lot of people are just getting it. Anyway, uh, nice to see you, Evgeny. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my best to pronouncing uh, Opachki uh, correctly, and I just say, you know, maybe I need a sound. Maybe I'm going to try to extract it from Tarkov. There's obviously Russian... Russian voice actors saying it a lot, so it's got to be in there somewhere. I'm just going to get to the hack the files. Um, anyway, um, what? Where were you? Where were we? Um, yeah. So uh, you'll quote me being born in the U in the USSR and having a broken mindset as a result again. But I must confess, I think the argument is valid. I'm not an anti-vaxer anyway. Me and my wife just had our newborn vaxxed against several things, including non-mandatory ones. No, I don't think you. I. I, I if I said that, in the, like that's what didn't that's that wasn't what I meant. Um, you know, obviously, um, if you're born in a in a Soviet country, you have a different outlook. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. I think, in some respects, it's wrong. But you know, I mean, I think on this point we can just disagree. Um, I think I think I just haven't seen any any data that convinces me. But you know, it doesn't doesn't mean anything. Like my my biggest complaint is not this being an argument for vaccination what my biggest complaint is if if i read in the press that somebody says you know writes an article and says the the, the science says the experts say the paper xyz says that this is happening i want i want like i want a link or i want data i want to i want to um read that and then think okay let's see where they got that idea from and check that and I haven't I haven't found a single person doing that that was falling apart. Like I've talked to I've talked to colleagues who've written articles about this, and then I said, okay, so so this is your point. Like, where do you get this from? Like, where's where's this paper from? And then they they, they say something, and I realize they don't understand what they're talking about. Just it drives me drives me insane. And you know, I'm not unfallible. I get I get you know antigenes and antibodies mixed up all the time, as we already talked about today. Um, Yevgeny says yeah, an episode on the scientific me method would be awesome, and your opachki is much better. <laughs> I'm giving my best. Um, yeah, I would love to um, actually 
I was thinking I would love to have somebody on for that. I don't know. I need like I need I need a scientist who's who's, who's happy to talk to me about this kind of thing. I'll, I'll try to you know I need somebody who speaks English and who wants to come on a podcast. I, I would love to debate this a little bit as well. Um, and then of course Evgeny can write in and tell me why I'm wrong, which is which is awesome, which is content. Um, anyway, continuing in his message. However, I'll be postponing my anti-COVID vaccine. You mean your anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccine? Sorry, it's just a just a pet peeve of mine. For as long as I realistically can, which will likely be not very long since the university I work at is increasing the pressure. I don't think my chances of getting a severe case of COVID-19 with really bad long-term effects are high. I'm 38 in two weeks. Oh, that's just a... Um, basically my age group, and relatively healthy, even if overweight and enjoying a good ale a bit more frequent than I perhaps should. Don't we all? Don't we all, Evgeny? Uh, I don't like the uh, the data on vaccines, or rather lack thereof, and I seriously don't trust the vaccines I'm offered. I do have contacts in the institutions that develop those, and what I hear from, the ma- from them makes me even less enthusiastic. Yeah, so I think he's talking about the Sputnik vaccine, which, of course, we talked about earlier in the show because I was wrong on the AstraZeneca one, and that's the, that's the same way. And, you know, I just want that one question answered um, I want a regulator tell me if you give that vaccine to somebody and if they can theoretically like that DNA or, you know, if, 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 if that can, that vector can theoretically be incorporated in your DNA, which the Oxford and uh, AstraZeneca people are not denying. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the Russian developed vaccine people are not denying either. How is it these people are not classed as genetically modified organisms? I want that answered first and foremost. Um, because, you know, I'm not actually caring, but I don't think it's dangerous. I just, like, I don't think they can answer that because I think they skipped that. I think they don't care. I think they wanted to get that vac- vaccine out. And that I think that's what uh, Evgeny is getting at as well. Um, I don't think that's good. Um because who knows what the long-term effects of that, like everybody's, oh, long-term effects of COVID. Yeah, who knows what long-term effects of those of that is? Maybe it's nothing, but maybe the long-term effects of COVID are, you know, I mean, nobody talks about, that's another thing, like, oh, long-term effects of COVID. Nobody talks about the long-term effects of influenza. There's, those are well-known. If you look in the scientific literature, there's like literature going back like 60, 70, 80 years like back to the Spanish flu of long-term effects of an influenza. Nobody, like people just call that like uh, chronic lung disease. Oh yeah, you have chronic, like you got influenza when you were 24, you got over it, now you have chronic lung disease for the rest of your life. That was like the classic thing, right? Yeah, it happens to some people. It happens to like 0.1% of people who get it. Like who cares? Now it's like, oh no, long-term effects of COVID, we're all gonna die. It's just like that double, double standards that just drives me insane. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was writing that on the phone while walking. I mean, this is perfect. I, I just can't read. Maybe I had a bit, bit too much of the, uh, the, wine, the wine from the Rhineland Palatinate. Actually enjoying this live feedback. This is why I like Twitch. This, is, this works out really well. I hope this is also good for the people listening to it on the podcast. So hello, future Yevgeny, when you're walking, when you're walking your kid and you're listening to that. Um, Oh, that's oh, you mean the last cov two COVID mix up? Yeah, totally. I, I was I was not guessing. I was like, it's just 
I mean, they print it on the fucking tests and on the vaccine. It's wrong on the vaccine. It's, I mean, just, I've lost that battle. I've, I've lost that battle. Um, a piece of trivia uh, regarding transmittable diseases and immunities in Russia, also regarding regulations and enforcement, just for your amusement. Um, to be allowed to be present at my daughter's birth, i.e. in the room, I was uh, required to have three documents. One, obviously, a negative test result for COVID-19 or a doctor's note that I had already had it. But that's the times we live in. Too true. The other two were a recent chest scan to prove I had no tuberculosis and a recent lab result for measles antibodies. Yes, antibodies. Lack of measles doesn't count. You have to be immune. Okay. Um, yeah, you better hope the vaccine actually... I don't know. I, do you have measles? This is actually interesting. I don't know about this, but do you have measles antibodies that, like, you take that vaccine once, right? Or it's like, it's a refresher. You take it when you're, like, young and then when you're six or whatever, and then you take, I don't know. But do you have antibodies that long? That's interesting, actually. Um, and these two have been a requirement all along since the USSR. Thanks, thank, thanks, Tovarish uh, Stalin. That was probably wrong. <laughs> it's probably bad, bad Russian again. Um, yeah, you're supposed to get a refreshers measles vaccine. Yeah, I know about that, but this is like that's when you're like six or whatever, or even like even when you're 18 or whatever. It's amazing that you still have that like 20 years later. Um, it's not like yeah, vaccines are different, obviously. Um, because you know, with the with the uh, SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, it's just you probably only have antibodies for like a few months, which doesn't mean you're not immune, uh, because you know there's memory cells and stuff, and your body can just reproduce those antibodies when needed. But here comes the funny part: <laughs> my wife ended up having a C-section, and I ended up in the OR with her. I had the three papers on me in my jeans back pocket. I was never asked to produce them. Go figure. Actually, this is this is very very. Uh, very Russian, I think. Uh, this is like, in Germany, you, that would have been checked. In Germany, we would have checked that. And I say in West Germany, right? In West Germany, we would have checked that. Like, I've, I've recently reflected that actually a lot of, like, I personally think, and, you know, I, I haven't lived in, in, in Eastern Germany. We had, we had uh, relations there. But obviously, I was, I was six when the wall fell, right? So I... I have some dim memories, but you, I, I didn't really live in the time. Um, so, but you know what I've read and you know in history and, and stuff, I feel like actually the, our our society here, at least in Germany, is, is turning somewhat into the DDR. You know, the German Democratic Republic uh, GDR. We call it DDR. Uh, East German mindset, where like they 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 were in in like in Soviet Germany, there was so much stuff forbidden there were so many laws that you couldn't possibly like check them all and like adhere to them all right there were all this stuff we did they had this thing called um so it's a famous uh german term called bookware which means um it's wares that are sold when you're bending over um where they had the stuff that was sold under the counter which they weren't allowed to sell but everybody was selling there were all these people like you weren't allowed to have like you, you weren't supposed to have like private property, right? And you weren't supposed to have special things that other people didn't have. You weren't allowed to. You, you weren't supposed to sell that, but people did. So there were actually people that were richer than other people, 
in the in the socialist in socialist Germany, and it was all this stuff where like they spied on everybody, but you'd look away like for certain things because you knew nobody could like if you actually locked everybody up who didn't adhere to the laws one hundred percent, you'd have to have to have to lock everybody up. So there were all these unspoken rules. And I see exactly the same thing here, where now you have to wear masks all the time. You have to do that. But you see people like, you know, they're just basically wearing the mask performer. They don't have they have, don't have their nose covered. There's, there's all this all this stuff. There's like these ridiculous laws um, where you just basically people who do certain jobs they now have to follow certain rules that like make their job basically impossible. So they. They just like skirt the edge of it and everybody knows and like nobody is calling them out on it because you know, like, you know, the guy can't do his job and, you know, I don't know, you want your haircut or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, it's actually very interesting to me. So this is actually, uh, Evgeny, I uh, enjoyed very much when you write in. Um, I think, I mean, I enjoy that perspective. Um, and often I often disagree with you, but I, I I find your messages very valuable, and I often put them on the show um, because I feel um, we have this um, we don't have this perspective um, in in Western Europe, especially in Germany. Uh, Russia has painted it this evil again, and in the U.S. to some degree as well. I think it's it's important for the people who listen to the show to have this perspective. Um, <clears throat> And it's 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 very like it's 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 very important to me. I would actually <clears throat> I don't know if Yevgeny uh, needs to do this, but like I having spoken about like cyber war, we're going to move on to other topics now with the next episode. But you know, having talked about this and the the, the stereotypically Russian hacker TM. Um, I would like somebody who's listening to this from Russia, and maybe maybe it has to be Evgeny, I don't know, all the other Russians seem to be shy, which is understandable uh, in the political climate. Um, I would like uh, a Russian to tell me, like, what that feels to them. Like, you know, sit down and maybe write write a paragraph or whatever. Like, you know, that stereotypically Russian hacker, what, what does that feel like? Does it feel like um, uh, Evgeny... Uh, Exactly. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll have to. Um, I don't think this is something for Twitch yet. I think we'll have to. Uh, like, I'd, I'd like to have some long, longer form information on that. Like, I, I've been asking myself that. It's kind of like you know, when when as a German you watch like these movies about World War Two, like and there's all these you know, it's all these German stereotype. I wonder if it's a little bit like that. Um, whereas it's probably not that. Just like you know, the German I can live with that because. I mean, we did we did very horrible things, and we deserved uh, like if you know if the worst thing that happens to me is that I'm mocked for it uh, uh, because of my accent, I'm I'm totally okay with that. Uh, but like I, I I do wonder I do wonder how uh, people in Russia who obviously speak English and and read uh, international news um, think about this being painted as as the bad guys. Um, it's it's very very interested uh, to me um Yevgeny actually said oh, yeah, we have to read this out because it's about Jasinski who's the guy who founded the NKVD which later became the KGB this is why uh you know uh, the the square where you know the famous uh, the square is called Jasinski square uh, a famous quote from Jasinski the Russian first head of the NKVD future KGB um give me a person I'll find the law article that the person broke as as to imprison them 
Um, if you have enough restrictions, you can just randomly punish people. Um, you as the state don't like that's so very true. And I mean, that's not even like a like. I mean, that's a that's a thing. Like German law is so complex. Like um, I, I once saw this YouTube video of a lecture from an American law professor um, where he's talking about like all these laws and how basically like if if you like in a random federal state in the U.S. Uh, if you just enforced all the laws, like all the laws on the books, like especially like their legal systems even worse uh, in that regard than the German one, which is like the Roman law, like common law, like in the UK or in the US is even worse. Like they have all these laws on the books. Like you couldn't do like literally anything. You'd get like all the stuff. There's like there's like federal states where like, I don't know, owning a horse is illegal, but only if you're, it's like if you're, if you're, if you have that much land or it's, it's like weird there's like it's all this stuff and i think all these countries have it so i don't think it's a it's um you know it's a for me it's a thing i think about because obviously uh east germany was was particularly egregious in that and it also like the other thing that's coming back to me it had a um it pretty much i think i think this was a german um uh peculiarity of of soviet of the Soviet Republic. I don't think all the other Soviet republics were specifically like this, but Germany is specifically, I think because of the um, the interlocking uh, with the German culture had a very specific denunciation thing, right? Where you had these people, Blockwart, where you had these guys. I mean, you had the Stasi was basically everywhere, um, but you had these people who weren't like, real Stasi operatives but we're just collaborating which is like there's a German thing where like even in a free democracy you have like old ladies looking down the street going what is going on there and then they report you know you have to report it you know the in the UK there's a like it's a term it's a curtain curtain ah, there's a term for it I forgot about it um, but it's like you know you have these people and they basically use the state use these people as like inofficial uh, operatives as informants um, and it, it, it worked very well for them and that's something I see now as well like people denunciating their, their neighbors because oh my god there's one they're, they're having a party in their garden and there's one person from a household more than is allowed nom, 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 nom. <laughs> you have uh, not Yevgeny um, Fadi says uh, but don't old ladies everywhere do that maybe but like in Germany it's not only old ladies in Germany it's it's a it's a very specific and I catch myself doing it sometimes and my my wife will beat it out of me <laughs> with, with a metal rod and so she should because I don't want to be like that um it is it is it's a bad thing anyway um Yes, that's that's it for the feedback. I thought uh, Yevgeny provided so much that I really couldn't. I, I wanted to feature that uh, front and center, and for the reasons I said, very important. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Januwa Vera was also on Twitch uh, in Twitch chat chiming in um, about uh, we had a few deaths due to measles in France two years ago. They were not vaccinated, and more cases of measles due to measles. Uh, vaccine not enforced enough. Yep, I mean I know about measles coming back. I mean you know, the the black the the, the plagues coming. back you know they had a plague uh, black plague case in Mongolia like last year. Um, I am. It's the thing is it's 
it's I think it's without question that vaccinating people helps and it helps with suppressing the disease uh, disease outbreaks um, but the myth that is perpetrated in the in the press that it eradicates disease is obviously wrong um, like even uh, even uh, even the smallpox has come back right we haven't eradicated a single disease um, even though the WHO has pretended that that was the case for a very long time but you know the the data actually says that's wrong um, but that's actually not like that's not the that's not the point my point is not so it's like masks it's like i think it's pretty pretty clear that it works i want to know how much right if you legislate stuff and if you take people's and this is where we come back to the you know the normal topic of the podcast again if you take people's rights away and you say you do that you know that's 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 what's even like you know that's that what that's what i find um even like charming about the Soviet state, they they they, they weren't saying like it's generally. I mean, it was also propaganda, but they weren't like oh, it's science based. They're like it's socialism. They were pretending that was science, but it wasn't really science, and everybody knew it, <laughs> you know. Um, but they were like just we're just doing this. Uh, the, the problem is we're a democracy, and we're doing this based on alleged science, and people are saying oh, the science says this, but like if you're saying we are doing this to to you know we need to take rights that people have got accustomed to away for the better of society based on scientific data fair enough i want to see the data you could just can't say masks work you need to specify what mask right in what surrounding how does it work how how much percent like we need studies there's there's no hard studies because they're hard to do i understand why they're not i understand why they don't have that data because that data is basically impossible to get but you can't pretend just the data is there same with vaccination you can't just pretend just because somebody did a study in the congo in the 80s go like hey boom. and then it's like the, the double standards are a problem if you make laws like that like laws the understanding of justice in a rule of law state in a democracy basically assumes you do not have double standards, right? So why do we have these rules about one disease, does COVID-2, and not the other, influenza? Like, where's the line? Like, is there a line? Is it people's... How do we quantify how dangerous it is it, this is? So why do we have why do we have why do we we have these rules about COVID but we don't have them about AIDS? Right? Why didn't we go around in the 90s and said, well, if you are HIV positive, the state says you can't have sex. And if you have sex with somebody, you go to jail. That's for the better of society. Why didn't we do that? Right? And you need to quantify that. You can't just make laws and say, oh, science says this, and oh, we're just going to do this now. And it's obvious that all these rules, like a lot of these rules don't make sense. And it's obvious that they're not based on science. A lot of these things were instigated at a time last year i mean i talked about this live on the podcast listen to episode like 10 of the show five of the show i talked about all of this when it came in we didn't have we didn't know anything like we know precious little about this how this spreads now but like you know we did we didn't know anything and they were admitting that they were making these rules arbitrarily just like 
as a shot into the blue. But now it's a year later, and I I don't understand how people can accept this, like this this new normal. It's now normal. No, it's it's horrible, and we need to start asking questions. Anyway, I'm going to stop with this now. We had the feedback. I'm going to round up the show now because I mean, if you don't like rants, you've turned off by now. If you like rants, you're welcome. Januar Vera says there are no 100% in biology. Yes, exactly. But what percents are there? I want data, right? That's that's the whole point. Experiments. Data. Look at them. Right. Um, if you like rants and you've gotten something out of this... Um, the only thing I asked, like if you haven't, you're not listening anymore. So I'm, I'm going to presume you like this. If you got something out of this information, it made you think, uh, it made your blood boil. Maybe you need this in the morning to wake up. Listen to Fab, how he's wrong. Um, first of all, write in, please. Uh, private citizen press. Um, but also, you know, I provide this uh, for free as a service to the community. All I ask is that you think about. Does it provide value to you? And if it does, consider giving some back. This is called the value for value model. It's pioneered by John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry on the No Agenda Show. Meanwhile, taking over by a lot of podcasts, including mine. It's basically, you know, you get it for free. You don't have to feel bad. But if you want to give something back, you can. Um, I have a, a Patreon page. You can become a patron. Or you can just use PayPal. Uh, producers at fab.industries, the PayPal address. But it's also in the show notes at privatecitizen.press and you should probably go there and not you know type the email address wrong basically have a look at how it's you know it's also complicated because dot industries is a tld and some people are still confused by that even though these kind of tlds have been a thing now for is it all seven years eight years it's it's been a long time um so um yes and uh if you want to do that please do so. And I have to thank everybody. You know, if you have any information, um, if you want to send me uh, studies, um, if you want to send me links to uh, to PubMed, um, and please do that. Please, please send me, uh, you know, that that's the scientific process. I want, I'm smart enough. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been, I'm smart enough to generally understand primary sources. So please send me those. Don't send me any, you know, like, articles i mean they do help sometimes but if you basically if you read something in an article and you they don't link primary sources and you can't find them send me the article but you know generally that will be mostly a waste of my time i want you know when we're talking about something like this uh primary sources and you know in, in if we're talking about um you know medical science that would be that would mean a PubMed link generally um and then i'll 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 figure out if i can't figure it out i'm going to talk to somebody who knows uh, the topic and i'm gonna have them explain it to me anyway thanks to anybody who's done that who've sent in stuff your producers of the show you know uh stuff like you know Evgeny writing me from moscow and writing me his um viewpoint is is, is very valuable to me so um, i enjoy that very much of course then there's also the people we just talked about who uh, chip in and you know support the show monetarily which is important to me because i'm a freelance journalist we don't we don't make that much money and i'm spending a lot of time doing this kind of stuff where i could do other stuff uh, where i could make money directly so 
people chipping in even just a dollar a month is, is very very much appreciated so thanks to all the people who've done that thanks to george's Butterbeans, Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen, Johnson M. Heavy, Dave, Steve Foes, Mark Holland, Shelby Kruver, Vlad, Jackie Plage, 1I11G, Philip Klostermann, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Kai Sears, IKN, Fadi Mansur, Dirk Didi, Michael Small, Joe Poser, Matt Jellyman, Bennett Piata, David Potter, Mika, Martin, Larry Glock, Dave Amrish, Ricky M, Drive Zero, Mr. A Mr. Amish, Tobias, Avis, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Barry Williams, Mode 7, Neil, Captain Eckhart, Sandman616, Funky Duck, and D. And also thanks to my Twitch subscribers, because if as we've seen in the show amply, I am uh, not only recording this podcast, I'm live streaming the recording right from my home studio to Twitch. Sometimes things break and then you can see how the sausage is made. Well, you can always see how the sausage is made. Um, I'm, I'm doing this with like a, a stream of my, de of my desktop. You can see all the tools I use, how I use them. Uh, but sometimes it breaks and then you can see how I fix that. Um, so thanks to my Twitch subscribers because you can also support the show that way. And some of these people... Uh, are supporting it both ways um, because on Twitch you can you know if you have Amazon Prime you also have uh, Prime Gaming I think it's called no it's basically you can you can activate that you can link your Twitch account I mean on Twitch you can obviously watch the show for free you know when I broadcast it um, there's also a video that's there for 14 days I upload that to YouTube so you can watch it there for free um, but you can also subscribe and with with this if you have Amazon Prime you can do that for free so basically it doesn't cost you anything and you kick me some money every month which is appreciated um, you, the downside is you have to renew that every every month whereas another normal Twitch subscription is renew, auto renews I think generally anyway the people who are doing this are Mike underscore the Dane Gal Charon Sandman 616 Indie Gamiacs Andy Pants Redeemer RF Mode 7 is unavailable Halifa uh, who's also streaming right now, I think. And uh, El Terrestris Jim, a very terrestrial Jim, not on Mars. He's on Earth. He's an Earther. Earth must come first. Um, yeah. And then also, thanks to Bytemark. I always have to thank Bytemark. They pro provide the service I use to host the audio files, which would cost me a fortune otherwise in that quality. And they're amazing. They're a UK cloud hosting company can wholeheartedly recommend them <laughs> these servers haven't been down they're just like they're just working they've been working for a decade and longer now it's just um, amazing so uh, go to bindmark.co.uk if you need some cloud hosting in the uk they're amazing yeah and with that i'm gonna sign off uh with a song of course the uh, theme song to this show is called acoustic roots by raul Cabazali. licensed everything on this show is licensed well, sometimes I use audio clips that I consider public domain, but generally I license everything. Um, so, so is the ending song because we'll have an ending song by Thera, Thera, uh, who I've had a song uh, from previously. They're like a, a modern country band. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I will be back next week, not this Wednesday, because I'll be streaming video games on Twitch all day. Uh, smoking cigars and trying to uh, solve a criminal case in a fictional uh, socialist republic, which is amazing. Um, until then, aim to misbehave, think for yourself. And always remember, I'm here to fight for your right to have something to hide. See you next week.
bad smile set us leave them behind.